This is HPR episode 2121 entitled Dark Cult's Tabletop Game. It is hosted by Klaatu and is about 30 minutes long. The summary is Klaatu discusses the DOL tabletop game Dark Cults. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. My name is Klaatu. Today we're going to talk about uh, some tabletop gaming. Uh, I've been getting into tabletop gaming lately because it's... I guess um, because video games started coming to Linux, I feel like that's a passe subject now. It's like, oh, video games, yeah, we've got those now. Um, So now I'm really kind of fascinated by this whole thing about analog games. Things that don't require electricity, things that that concentrate necessarily on the gaming mechanic rather than the glitz and glamour of the latest graphics card. So yeah, I've been I've been getting into it lately. And um one of them that I want just to, to talk about is called Dark Cults. So a long time ago, like way long time ago, back in 1983, there was a little card game called Dark Cults and it was released by an independent game publisher and I guess it was it was successful enough to warrant an extension pack that came out two years later. But mostly today, it's it's a an obscure product of the '80s with with a slight legacy that it that it managed to leave behind. And it's it's from that legacy that I actually discovered it in the first place because I was I was researching games intended for specifically two players because that's what I have access to two players reliably two players. Um, and I, I was I kept coming across this one game called Gloom G L O O M, which I I felt yeah that's that sounds pretty good Gloom that sounds that sounds about my speed. Um, and and the the Gloom game, which I should talk about sometime maybe in a later episode, uh, Gloom very often got referenced in in relation to this older game called Dark Cults. And so I, I I was really getting curious about what this Dark Cults game was because it sounded intriguing and 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 apparently it had it had made an impact on on someone because it it keeps getting referenced here with with Gloom. So I did some research um and and ended up digging up some information about it. Now, I don't know what your childhood was like. But mine was filled with, well, imagination. I wasn't really encouraged to watch a whole lot of TV, so a lot of what I did was, a, as a kid was make up my own stories using pretty much anything I could get my hands on. You know, didn't really care if it was Lego sets or cardboard cutouts. Doesn't really matter. Um, I could imagine myself into into a story with with pretty much anything. And they weren't necessarily good stories, you know, like good, quote-unquote good. Um, but at the same time, they were, like, utterly engrossing to me, so, I mean, good enough, right? Um, and I found out later in life that that's kind of what makes a story good, is that as long as it interests me, then 
I'll call it good, or if it interests you, you'll call it good. So, so I kind of got sort of trained early on to that it was okay to make up stories. Um, in my third year in primary school, I think it was, uh, my teacher had this box of story starters, which she would use pretty much as busy work. Um, but I loved them. Like I, I would do my work just so I could get to the the busy work at the end of the the class. Um, and she would give you a story starter card, and then you would you would have to have to uh, write out a story, you know, w from that prompt. And, and there were other game-like prompts that I discovered uh, l later, you know, at the local bookstore as a kid. Um, and then I sort of rediscovered at some point later on as an adult RPG gaming, and fell in love with the once forbidden pastime that I'd I'd flirted with um, as a sixth grader, but my parents generally did not let me get anywhere near Dungeons and Dragons, um, and for whatever reason I, I was obedient, I'm not sure what that was all about, but, um, you know, I, I, I kind of, I was around that kind of, that kind of gaming as a kid, and, and story starters, and, and things that required a lot of imagination, uh, I never really got to experience it a whole lot as a proper game, but I, I was kind of all around that that area. So when I came across Dark Cults, it really, really caught my my attention because it actually it was it, it's kind of a combination, a perfect combination of of those past experiences. So RPG like game, not super RPG. Um, it has the obligatory dark theme that I I tend to to gravitate towards, and it's strongly reliant upon imagination, and it's designed conveni conveniently anywhere from one to four players. Actually, maybe one to five. Um, originally, it was designed specifically for two players, like exactly two players, but in the 1985 expansion pack, it provided a single player and either four or five on the on the max, I think. I think four, but they're like, uh, you could probably fake it with five. Um, so, so it's like this perfect game for me. You know, I'm just like, oh, this is perfect. The only problem was Dark Cults has been out of print for about, geez, now 30, 20, 20, 30 years. So not convenient. So I really wanted to play Dark Cults, and I'll, I'll talk about exactly what Dark Cults is in a moment. But, but I, I really wanted to play it, and um, luckily I found a few other people online who want wanted to play the game as well. Um, a few of them had this idea of recreating the entire game with new art, uh, specifically Edward Gorey version um, of of the cards. So instead of the original illustrations, just use Edward Gorey illustrations and come up with this 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 new deck. And it's around that time that I kind of started to realize that there was this there was this thing called print and play, and a print and play game is a game that someone posts you know like PDFs of their card designs online. You download them, you print them, and then you play them. It's like this whole revolution in analog gaming. You know, it's like you you just you don't there is no printer. You're the printer. You, there is no distributor. You are the distributor. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing. Really, really, like, uh, really exciting. Um, problem, of course, here is, again, that we don't have rights to Edward Gorey's art, 
um, and and no one again the the the, the card game Dark Cult itself has not been released as a print and play. You know, it's it doesn't it's out of print. No one remembers it. So um, I I I I found a bunch of resources online of some guy who had owned Dark Cults and had managed to scan every single card and all the rules in uh, to his computer, and he posted all this stuff online. So it, it is out there. Like you can you can see it. You can. You can experience it digitally. Um, the problem is that the scans aren't terribly good. They're not very high res. Um, I think most of them are on color cards. So you would, you know, if you tried to print that directly, you would be printing a lot of color, um, like just the color background. Um, maybe that was just the rule book. I, I, I could be misremembering parts of this, but either way, it just wasn't a super convenient, great sort of way to get a hold of this game. Um, but all of these ideas started sort of coming together in my head, and I thought, well, w why don't I just use Creative Commons clip art and make a deck that would be print and play and post that online, and then I can play it. So I went to open source, uh, I mean openclipart.org, which is a place where I sometimes post things and use clip art from a lot it's uh, cc0 so there's no attribution no 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 restrictions whatsoever it's it is basically um, public public domain uh, but with the creative commons explicit you know license like hey there are no no um, requirements here you can just use this art for yourself and there are a couple of guys over, or I should say contributors, I don't know if they're guys, but there are a couple of contributors over at openclipart.org who um, do a lot of scanning of vintage illustrations, and then they vectorize them and post them on um, on openclipart.org. So there's this whole sort of sub-collection of vintage artwork from various sources. I mean, there's some like comic book type styles, there are some... Um, um, I guess probably kids' books, you know, just fiction books, mystery books, so all kinds of interesting vintage clip art on on this on this site. So I sat down with a list. Uh, I went to the the one place online that did actually have a complete deck of dark cults. Transcribed all the the rules, the the man, the rule book, and and I made a list of all the cards that were in included in the deck. And I just sat down and recreated them uh, using clip art from openclipart.org. I, I did all that uh, in Inkscape, of course, and um, just kind of just winged it, really. Just just went crazy for a couple of days and um, and banged out a, a, a complete deck of essentially dark cults. Uh, you can find this deck at gitlab.com slash notclatu slash occult. That is dark occult, so that's to differentiate it from dark cults. So D A R K O C C U L T. GitLab.com slash notclatu slash dark occult. Um, okay, so that's that's how you can play this game. <laughs> that's what that was all about. Um, now let's talk a little bit about the game itself and, and why it's so amazing. So the gameplay is you can imagine an RPG without a DM or GM, whatever you. You know, the dungeon master, the game master, whatever you call that person. 
Um, so you can imagine it sort of as an RPG without the without the um, without the structure really. That's the general feel of it anyway. You you don't have any dice. Like I say, it's totally unstructured. Um, so that's different. But the feel itself is similar. It's it's got a similar sort of uh, it satisfies the, the the same urge, if you will. So the rules, in a nutshell, are that you play life, and your opponent, if you're playing the two-player or whatever, your opponent is playing death. Now, your job is to keep the protagonist of the story alive as he or she goes on an ill-advised stroll in the middle of the night. Um, most everything outside of this character's apartment is pretty much trying to kill him, so the odds aren't necessarily good. Um, the the role of your opponent, who's playing death, their job is to try to kill your uh, to, to kill the protagonist. So the actual gameplay goes something like this: the story begins with a start card, um, at which point the protagonist decides to go out for a midnight stroll. That's always the story starter. Um, as new cards are drawn, you play them in the middle of the of the table. You you line up the cards into a storyline, essentially, and as the protagonist goes through the the different encounters that each card represents um, and these encounters can be innocuous they can be just a new location or they could be uh, something that adds to the atmosphere like ominous fog or eerie sounds or spooky symbols etched into the wall or whatever they could be unsettling like a derelict drunkard a sobbing woman an overheard violent argument or they can be outright dangerous like an escaped lunatic an evil apparition or a witch uh, escaped convict, lots of different threats, direct threats. So as the cards are played, each player narrates that segment of the tale. Um, so the story builds on itself as you play each card, and you, you, you narrate, you know, the a segment of the story. So it's a bit of a, what do they call it, um, exotic uh, corpse or something, or whatever that's called, where you... You, you you kind of build on the thing that the previous person laid down, um, so you're you're building off of each other's story based on whatever the cards are kind of dictating, and at some point, because of the way that cards are are, are drawn, at some point out some outcome is forced. At which point either the protagonist dies, like they get attacked and they they aren't able to escape, um, or the protagonist manages to escape and then you start a new storyline where the protagonist goes out on the following night, which, I don't know, if if my neighborhood was this dangerous, I would just not go outside at night. But this protagonist always goes out at, at night. So um, each card type has different points for life or for death, or, or for both sometimes. So it is it is to your advantage, game you know, in terms of game mechanic, it's to your advantage to draw the story out, to make it long, to lengthen it. Um, but other times it might be better for you to go in for the kill if you're death or retreat in utter fear if you're life because after all you don't want to um, you know if you're death you want the protagonist to die or if you're life you don't want to die so so you do have to hedge your bets you you know what before you draw that next card you have to kind of think well should I draw this card or should I run because I'm you know I've just encountered and each card, I should say, so the tricky thing about this is not just a one deck that you're drawing from. So each card has a, a certain type of card that you're allowed to draw after it. So if you draw, um, well, Death could not, for instance, draw or play two evil characters in a row. Because 
every if 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 an evil character card is drawn or is played i should say then it it only allows an end card and an end card is either an escape card where the protagonist escapes or death where the death character the character dies um so similarly a danger card demands either an end or a save um so that means that the protagonist basically loses his nerve and and just goes back home um or it was all a dream or however you want to spin it really um so there's there's like this sort of ebb and flow imposed on the story based on which kind of card is being played and what is allowed to then be played after it so you know you, the, the typical cards that you're playing are like the location and the atmosphere cards old 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 crumbling cathedral you know so the protagonist goes is walking near the, the an old crumbling uh, cathedral and turns and, and notices a glimmer inside she's for some reason drawn to go inside and then after that location card you have to draw let's say an atmosphere card I, that could be i could be or it might be like an app an atmosphere card and or a threat card so you know you kind of have a choice so if if you're death and you can play a threat card maybe you want to go ahead and play that because that could introduce a danger uh coming up for the protagonist so there are certain types of cards that you're allowed to play at certain times and that's all dictated by the cards themselves um what that means i guess on a technical level is that there's a perfect story arc built into each round of the game atmosphere is created paranoia is faced head-on everything's a potential threat every action is suspicious possibly aggressive every sound is a harbinger and and every encounter is a brush with death it's basically any given episode of twilight zone or night gallery or tales from the crypt it's always going to go wrong it's just a matter of when and how bad it will be as i've said there are, there are single player and other mods i've not played with any more than uh, I, i've only played single player so in 1985 an expansion pack was added and it brought a couple of new cards in, 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 including a, a completely new card type um, the object card um, so it, it added some cards and uh, it also came out with uh, and so object cards are played after location cards so you're in a location or your character goes to a location and and can if you have an object card then you can play that so that they can find an object and start carrying that around with them um, and then in addition to that it, it came out with a new you know a couple of mod rule rule mods that you can play if if you want to um so the the single player mode death is basically relegated to luck of the draw um although there are ways to mitigate that notably with a save card so again you can push your luck but if you start feeling too nervous and you feel like your character is gonna get killed you can chicken out still um so the deck in a single player mode gets split into different categories and the gameplay revolves around the main story deck which sets up the atmosphere and the locations and and objects uh, and a couple of just a small percentage of possible threats the cards themselves dictate which deck to draw from next because again remember the cards each tell you what you're allowed to play after after that card has been played 
which is why the main story deck has a few threat cards sprinkled into it, because that way you never go through a whole game without anything threatening ever happening. Um, you know, it, it kind of forces that. Um, the first time I played was with a short test printout that I'd done from my, my own deck. Um, and I was bored, and I was waiting for, like, a car repair to be done, so I was in, like, the waiting lobby of a, of a, of a garage. And I happened to bring my little test deck along and it was just i mean it wasn't even a full deck i'm talking about like this was the test print so it was like one one a4 sheet of paper cut into i think nine cards so i dealt them out one by one just kind of as story prompts pretty much and i started narrating uh, in my head as i went along and i have to say i was i was i surprised myself at how atmospheric the experience was you know like how emotionally sort of caught up in the story i was getting um as i followed this little this, you know, this made-up protagonist along uh, his his night stroll. So to keep myself from reinventing the same character over and over, I decided uh, to give myself prompts for those as well. So I printed out some character build sheets from uh, Open D6, which um, if you if you look online for Open D6 system, uh, you should be able to find the Open D6 books, which are it's sort of this this open well open game license. Um, RPG system based obviously around a, a D6, meaning six-sided die. So a lot of RPG systems kind of expect you to have like 21-sided die and stuff like that. So this is like very specific, like, oh, you will, you will, you know, this RPG system will work with a D6. So look for that. It has really nothing to do with this, except that in one of their books, they had some printouts or they had some uh, character build starters. And so there are like 10, maybe 12 different characters. And so I just printed those sheets out kind of as prompts and made myself some cards with, with those characters on them. Um, and that kind of gives you an idea of like, oh, here's some here's a character that I'm going to play, and this is a, a bodyguard. So the character is going to be pretty, pretty tough, you know, pretty, pretty capable. And in fact, that was the first time I tried this. You know, I, I shuffled the character deck, drew drew the bodyguard, um, and he was a, a bodyguard for a nightclub owner. So um, I figured, you know, he was pretty tough. He'd he'd be able to defend himself pretty well. Turns out, the very first round I played, he went outside of his apartment. There was, uh, I think, some fog, and then there was like some ooze, some some tar-like ooze, and then the next, and that was a threat card, I think, if I recall. And if I recall correctly, and and then the next card was a, this group of people who um, who I I had evolved I had raising rising out of the ar, the tar ooze um, and totally killing him because um, that's how the draw went and I didn't I didn't have my character chicken out soon enough you know I thought ah, he'll be able to take he'll be able to take threats well not the not not how this one played out. Now my second time, the second protagonist I had, I drew, was a correspondent, a news correspondent. And she had this penchant um, for for sort of pushing her luck. And so um, I, I, I had her traveling around the city and she ran into this forbidden uh, tome, this book, and she picked it up and then people were following her and she thought she, they were following her because she had this forbidden book. And... Um, at one point, I—I I mean, these aren't. This isn't really a short game. Like, especially if you, if you, if 
if you're really enjoying it, like you draw the story out, you know, because it's up to you. You're writing the story in your head as you play these cards. So with this, the second uh, character that I was playing, I I had to play it across two evenings because um, it just went on too long. And I'm not exaggerating a bit when I say that I literally lost sleep that night over the anticipation of what was going to happen to this this protagonist. Like it's that good, it's that atmospheric if you if you let it be. And so to that end, I want to give you a couple of tips that I've kind of discovered for myself. So depending on who you're playing with, um, it might help to impose a loosely judged minimum limit of sentences for each story card. Um, with myself, I was finding, before I figured out you know, this trick, um, I was finding I would put the card down and it would just be like, okay, broken down cathedral, or a crumbling cathedral, okay, uh, my character goes in and is walking and comes across a crumbling cathedral. Uh, okay, next card. You know, and it just be it's like, no, that's not gonna build a story. Like if if I just take whatever the card says and make it into a complete sentence, that's not th a story that, that does not make. So um, it's probably better to end on the card instead of opening with the card. You know, so if if you play a card and and it's um, a, a log cabin, then instead of saying um, the character approaches a log cabin, say the character goes, you know, decides to walk through the woods along the the side of the town. He turns and starts down the path. Some of the branches are knocking eerily above him in the wind. He continues through the moonlight and sees off in the distance what he thinks are glowing lights and maybe some smoke. A campfire? He continues through the path until he reaches a log cabin. It seems someone's inside. He knocks. And, and that already took, like, you know, three or four sentences instead of, like, one sentence. So, in other words... Make a card, make each card a punctuation mark rather than the opener. Force yourself to do that. And then secondly, impose a limit. You know, like, if if you've said one sentence, then you can't draw another turn yet. You have to, or you can't draw another card yet. You have to do at least three or, you know, at least five sentences or, or whatever you want to make it. And that kind of forces you to be a little bit more imaginative because on the surface, like, the story prompt is is obvious it's like log cabin okay your character is going to be in a log cabin like that's it well no you you have to get the character there first so you know it forces you to be a little bit more more verbose so do that um do, do those two things um impose a sentence minimum on yourself and and i find it helpful to end on the card rather than open on the card and and that also helps you actually in your in your construction of the story because it is it's easier to lead up to something if you know where you're going rather than like if you just open up oh they get to a log cabin well then what do you do from there like what happens then like okay they're at a log cabin then what well you don't know you have to now you're panicking you're like oh my gosh i have no clue uh they um i don't know is the is the cabin inhabited or is it empty uh I, i'm not sure you know well if if you know where you're going, you know that the character's going to a log cabin. Now your brain has to think of all the details up to that log cabin. 
and you sort of you start inventing new stuff. So um, in conclusion, Dark Cults. It's a really fun game. It has been re-implemented by yours truly, not Clatu, um, on gitlab.com slash notclatu slash occult, O-C-C-U-L-T, dark occult. It is print and play. You can print these things out. Um, I just went to the local um, New Zealand version of Staples, which is called the Warehouse Stationery, uh, got a big pack of cardstock, threw that in a printer, printed them out, cut the cards out. I, di- I wasn't even too worried about being even. Uh, in terms of the cut, you know, like, they're, they're more or less the same size, but I didn't, I, I wasn't scientific about it. Um, I printed a sort of a crosshatch pattern on the back just so you couldn't see through the cards. But it, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be complex. Uh, just print them, cut them out, and then start playing. It's a lot of fun. If you enjoy RPG, uh, you want a little bit of a less structured outlet than a proper RPG, because maybe you can't get an RPG group together, maybe... Um, Maybe you just want something light and quick, um, although this doesn't really end up being quick. But, you know, it's it's less to coordinate than an, a proper RPG game. Uh, then then this really might be ideal for you. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Dark Occult. Print it. Play it. Um, and, and have a good time. And, and, in fact, actually print and play it at night and play it uh, by candlelight. That's really atmospheric. Yeah, lots of fun. Dark Occult. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you.